This is Live from the Vault, the Hearsmith Podcast. A raw and unfiltered look at the world of entrepreneurship, business, and the absurdity of modern life. Heavy on the absurdity of modern life, but I'm happy that today we're going to get to talk about some brand stuff, some business stuff. Super excited about doing that. Uh, I'm Chad Coleman, your host, here with my fearless co-host, DeAndre Dow. Bro, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. What's going on, man? How you doing? Feeling good. And yourself? Doing well. Doing well. It's been a great week. Uh, th- things are, you know, slowly but surely uh, from a business perspective, kind of, you know, things are starting to, people are starting to figure out how to work in this this new world we live in, I think, a little bit more than uh, as different businesses open up. And I know people are still struggling and, and we certainly have our challenges, but it's awesome to, um, to kind of see things, people working it out, you know, people figuring out solutions, being creative, all that stuff. Yeah, most definitely. Right on, my man. So um, today I wanted to focus and, and talk a little bit about this really fascinating new study. You know, so one of the big things that, that we work with people at Smith on is creating a purpose-driven business or a purpose-driven brand. And I know that's something near and dear to your heart, DeAndre, because right. your, your brand, No Cap World, is, is definitely rooted in purpose mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, it's so interesting to me because throughout my career i've you know early on in the marketing world i i largely worked with bigger corporations you know corporations that could afford you know had marketing budgets and things like that and help them with their branding and their marketing and and crafting sort of their brand story and and then now in the in the you know, with the Hearsmith, we're getting the opportunity to work with more small businesses and, and startups and and folks sort of at the beginning. And, and it's really been fascinating to some of the differences between working with those different audiences. You know, obviously, like, you know, there's the whole factor of like budgets and things like that. And entrepreneurs typically don't have a, as big of a, a marketing budget or um, and they're trying to kind of uh, get by with the lean startup model, you know? Right. Um, but besides those, like, um, you know, sort of uh, monetary concerns, uh, one of the biggest differences between corporate clients and and working with entrepreneurs is around the idea of a purpose-driven business. I remember actually I had to alter one of the workshops that I sort of was able to transfer from, from my, uh, you know, my previous kind of uh, ideal customer to my new customers. Um, I actually had to alter the part about being a purpose-driven business because a lot of the time when I was working with corporate clients, I had to do a lot of convincing that that even mattered, you know, a convincing of corporate clients that having a mission and having a purpose, you know, beyond making money was important. However, with entrepreneurs, it's so fascinating that the smaller businesses actually understand that better. And I don't know if that's just part of the passage of time and people are learning, you know, these things, uh, you know, and kind of uh, being more adaptable and agile than, than corporate folks. Uh, maybe entrepreneurs are picking up on it more, um, but uh, but it's but it, the reason I bring this up today is because a group called the Zeno, they're actually a pretty uh, huge um, 
digital agency, I guess you could call them, uh, recently did a, a, a research study that shed some new light uh, and actually provides proof that leading with a purpose has tangible benefits um, to companies. And um, it's a pretty extensive survey. They, they surveyed uh, 8,000 consumers across eight different countries, United States, Canada, uh, United Kingdom, France, China, India, Singapore, and Malaysia. And um, I thought the results of the study were really fascinating. If you want to check it out, you can do, at, uh, do that at xenogroup.com. And um, we'll put that in the show notes so folks can see the study for themselves. They're actually going to be hosting a webinar coming up pretty soon, June 24th. Uh, so something that certainly I don't mind giving them uh, some, some love and, and sending people to their webinar. I have no idea if it's free or paid. I didn't get that far. Um, but, but, uh, it was really fascinating. So what they did was they evaluated 75 brands and they found that, um, a couple of key things that consumers globally are four to six times more likely to trust buy, champion and protect the companies that have a strong purpose over those that have a weaker purpose. So obviously that's, that's huge. I mean, four to six times that's, that's, that'd be a ma- Imagine if your revenue today was four to six times more that, right. than it is right now. That'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, right. Be nice. <laughs> we could all use that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's fascinating to see how people have come around on this idea. And I think it's due to the fact that, you know, when I was coming up, information was hard to get. Mm -hmm. If you really wanted to be an informed person, it took a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had to be cracking open books and going to the library and, you know, using, what is that thing? that big old machine where you could look at old newspapers. I can't remember what the hell that thing is called, but I don't know. Uh, Scantron or something weird like that. Yeah. Um, one of those 80 sounding computer names. And, <laughs> and, you know, you had to really sort of dive deep. And, and now we live in a world, obviously, where information is in the palm of everyone's hand. And I think that that's part of why having a, a core purpose beyond profitability has become so important. Because, you know, companies used to be able to hide. Uh, and be able to get away with things that, frankly, they can't get away with now because, uh, you know, that information is out there. That is accessible. You're not going to get away with it. It's called Yelp.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me out here catching bodies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there's, there's, there's things like that. There's, you know, I think journalists have more access to information and can get things uh, and dive deeper and are asking more tough questions probably than ever before because of that. And um, so one of the aspects of all this is it's, and, and it, you know, you can be a, a business that's doing great things and not have um, yet really unpacked and clearly identified the reason why your business exists. Um you know, because if you ask someone, hey, uh, nice to meet you. What do you do? And they say, well, you know, I, I work at, uh, I'm the CEO of Dow Chemical. Well, why does Dow Chemical exist? <laughs> you know, that's not the next question that you often hear. And it can be, 
you know, it can be daunting. Um, but it's really incredibly, incredibly important in this era to have a, a clearly defined purpose. Absolutely. And the thing that no one really talks about a lot is, is that the, the benefits are, are multifold, right? So, you know, as some of the, you know, some of the stats that we just read, you know, four to six, uh, four to six times more likely to purchase from the company. Um, this study revealed that, um, consumers are six times more likely to protect the company in the event of a mishap or public criticism. I think about Chipotle when I think about that. Right. Chipotle has come back strong. I mean, I, I see no, I mean, you know, I haven't looked at the data on their sales, uh, but they had a huge issue with health, you know, and that's, uh, you know, a couple of years ago now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, they yeah. were flying high as a brand and mm-hmm. and everyone was sort of on board and, you know, you get the occasional uh, burrito gastric uh, kind of joke, but uh, by and large, people are on board and, and um, you know, and I considered them, and I still do consider them a purpose-driven company, um, you know, around the idea okay. of real food, around right. the idea okay. of of uh, being transparent about the ingredients, not using genetically modified ingredients, so on and so forth. Yeah, you can see why companies like that, that have that health consciousness to them. Right. Especially in Colorado. Yeah. Whether you know, we need everything gluten free, sugar free, yeah. dairy free. We're, we're like the healthiest state. Right. Like yeah. it's crazy. So you got those brands that kind of relate to the Whole Foods and the Sprouts and you know, those brands yeah. as far as, you know, representing something similar. But See, I think what a lot of this comes down to, Chad, is like, where does that purpose come from? It's easy to say like have purpose. Right. It's like, how do you tell somebody to find their purpose if they don't feel like that's already ingrained in them? Like guys like you and I, that's right. already in us. Right. How we came up. But for the ones that feel like they have no purpose, what do you tell them? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's uh, a lot of times, you know, you might have great intentions, but you might not have articulated or really thought through uh, what your purpose is and, do- and dove into that. And, um, you know, I think it's more common to do that now, you know, with uh, um, the popularity of Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and, and even the more popularity around his TED Talk and what a big influence that had, um, you know, to make people sort of aware of this. Um, and it's not easy if you, you know, if you got into your business without a a centralized, like big, oh, I'm trying to solve the world's problems with my company kind of thing, right? right, 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 um, right. And that's okay. Like, it's not, it's not that every business necessarily had to start with, with an idea of a, of a mission-driven or a purpose-driven idea. But I want to speak today about how important it is to figure out what that is for your brand. Um, and how it can benefit your company to have that. Um, and the first one, the first big benefit that um, comes to mind, obviously, when you look at, at these at studies like this, where it says, you know, there are four, there's obviously a monetary benefit of four times people are more, are more likely to, um, to purchase from your company when they understand the perspective 
of where your company is coming from and the, and sort of the purpose behind what you're doing. And, um, so that's, that's, and you know, let's see the, um, therefore to 4.5% times more likely to champion the company and recommend it to friends or family. Uh, and 4.1 times more likely to trust that company. If you have a clear defined purpose, the other huge benefit to this is that, um, and I'm kind of talking about this in reverse. I really should start with something else, but I'll get to that. But the other big benefit to it is that when you have a clear purpose that's well-defined and easy for folks to understand, you actually save yourself money and time by attracting the right employees. Yes, people, sir. People that buy into what you're doing and aren't coming to work for your company simply for the pay- paycheck, although that's a big part of it, of course. Right. Um, when you have a clearly defined purpose, you you can attract talent that is aligned and cares and is at least some fraction fractionally uh, as driven as you are around the idea of that purpose. That's fair to say. Um, man, you, you speaking on a lot of different points, man. And I just think about... Like it's so it's so it's so simple. It could all be so simple, but it's one of those innate things. I feel like because I run into a lot of people that I've been having conversations lately. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and everything, as far as uh, people uh, intentionally lowering their bar and their expectations because mm-hmm. they don't want to feel disappointment. I've had a lot of conversations in recent weeks as far as that. and Like kind of hedging their bets about like their businesses or something? Or, they're, they're, or? Just, they're cool with just, um, you know, going where the wind blows. Oh, right. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And That's not too entrepreneurial. <laughs> it's not, but at the same time, if that's who, if that's who they honestly are, because it's going to be leaders, it's going to be followers. Right. right. You see what I'm saying? I do. But I even want to inspire those people to think otherwise. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's yeah. why I come back in, you know, because when I hear real conversations like that, I'm like, nah, like, nah, that's not what we're here for. That brings up the, that's, that's a great point, because if your company was created only and solely with the purpose of making money, um, not only does that not inspire trust or, or a, a deep emotional connection with potential customers, uh, who, big surprise, could give a shit less whether you make money or not. <laughs> they just want to know, are you solving my problem? Um, are we aligned from a, from a value standpoint a lot of times? And some of that is uh, admittedly like subconscious. It's not like, so uh, I'd like to order a Big Mac. What are your values? You know, that's not that kind of a thing, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, um, <clears throat> but I, I should say that uh, they, the interesting thing about having a purpose that um is that when you really identify it it is your it becomes the north star for your company so you empower people when they understand when your employees understand the core reason your business exists um they feel empowered because there's if you want to create a scalable business uh by definition you won't be there to make every big decision you know you, you, you're not going to be able to be in every conversation. Um, but if you have a clearly articulated purpose and empowered employees that understand that and are aligned with that, the incredible thing is that, is that 
um, they will they will they will take that on for themselves and feel empowered to make decisions about your uh, uh, about their jobs, you know, and their daily day to day work life that are, are aligned with that purpose. You know, obviously in an ideal world, you'll get some you know bad employees that uh, are just there for. Mm-hmm. Their own selfish reasons or whatever career mm-hmm. moves kind of stuff, and yeah. that's fine. That happens. It's business, know. yeah, it's business. Um, but when you have a purpose that's your true north, it actually it actually gives your your business permission, in a sense, to deviate from what you necessarily thought it was in the beginning and evolve Mm. and adapt um, Mm. because your purpose should really never change. Right. You know, um, it should really be something that, you know, while the goals and your products and our services will change and evolve over time to respond to customers, um, your purpose is something that's um, ultimately uh, you know, that North star that never changes. They are always heading toward that direction until perhaps you accomplish that mission, right? And perhaps uh-huh. you, you, you achieve that purpose and, and, and sort of right that wrong in the world, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe, you know, maybe you can create a new purpose, right? But, right. <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, like <clears throat> when you, when you have that so, so well articulated that, um, your the actual products can evolve and change. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. I think that you know it's uh, maybe it's easiest to give people a brand that that like might um, kind of crystallize it for them. And and I think of like a company like Apple, right? That started in the, the late seventies. You know, is kind of almost molded our idea of what a startup is. You mm-hmm. know, and. Um, you know, they as a startup, they it's not like they they really had like a you know like a brand guide or like some sort of uh, guiding things. But one of the interesting things that I think Steve Jobs said early on in Apple's trajectory was that we believe that people with a passion can change the world. So their their mission was to create products for those people who had a passion, right? And how they created those products uh, was by, you know, creating or how they did that was empower those people with a passion to change the world was by creating really easy to use, beautifully designed computers um, early on, right? That that made that made the the uh, the ability of a computer um, to help you, you know, do your thing. Uh, easier to access. We forget now in 2020 that like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time not that long ago that the only people that used computers were in lab coats. Yep. No, that's a fact, man. And what Simon Sinek speaks on as far as just like you said, as far as the purpose and brand, as far as the consumer that it attracts, but that also is going to um, determine the kind of energy and the type of employees you attract as right. well. That you know, are essentially helping you push your vision a little bit further. People that are really uniquely um, strong in particular areas that you're not, especially with Apple. Steve yeah. Jobs has the vision, but he actually needs the actual uh, 
digital technicians, the right. techs, to really pragmatically put things in place in order to create these products. Exactly. So yeah. imagine the people that he's got in that building. Right. You see what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. And Shh. and it wasn't he wasn't easy to work for. I mean, frankly, when he re- I highly recommend that every entrepreneur read uh, Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs because first of all, it's a fascinating story. You know, Steve Steve has a crazy personal history. I mean, adopted and and uh, you know, um just a really unique person born, you know, obviously. Um, but he was a unique person just born different, you know, than most. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, like because of the fact that like they had this, this, this purpose of, um, empowering people to leverage technology to accomplish their goals. Right. Yeah. So where is it? Computers were for scientists in the, 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh-huh. and even then in most of the 80s, um, he wanted to, he said, well, wow, you know, if we can give uh, an artist a new tool, what could happen, right? If we can give entrepreneurs uh, a, a tool that's easy to use, that allows them to access this power. And it was fascinating. He talked about um, mm. in the, I watched the Steve Jobs, uh, there was like a lost interview. And um, I think it, I think it was on Netflix, so maybe it's possible to find that still, but uh, certainly on YouTube somewhere. But he talked about how when he was a kid, he he read Popular Science magazine, and um, in this, uh, in one of the episodes of the magazine episodes issues, <laughs> you tell how we think digitally now, right? Right. Um, right. In in one of the uh, issues of the magazine, it it there was a chart comparing energy input and and the efficiency of output amongst all the mammals in the world and so it put them on a chart you know and you know kind of intuitively he thought well obviously humans are at the top who's second place right so when he turned to that page in the magazine he was shocked to see that humans were like a third of the way down the list you know it was like a cheetah or something that that took in the most energy and gave the greatest output for that at the most efficiency. And um, he was shocked. He, he couldn't believe that. So as he, you know, dove into this, this, uh, this research and stuff in this, in this popular science magazine, somebody there had figured that what if we, what if we gave the human beings a tool like a bicycle mm-hmm. and then we measured their, uh, them compared to the other mammals out there. And when they did that, human beings blew every other mammal off the charts. Right. It just, it was not even comparison. So, yeah. so when Steve Jobs, you know, thought of computers, he saw them as a bicycle for the mind. And he actually used that verbiage sometime, wow. you know, with, it, w- wow. with his team. So basically a tool wow. to take the human mind further, right? Yeah. And so, so while they didn't have a defined, like, language that this is our purpose, um, he was such a magnetic leader that, um, and sort of thought and operated from that, that purpose driven place yeah. that that infused that into that organization and it allowed them to, to change the world with their, with their products, which by the way, have evolved over, yeah. you know, the last 30 years or so they've been around and, um, to the point to where now, you know, computers are probably as the, 
one of the smallest parts of what they make. If you if you go by the classic definition of what a computer is, as far as a desktop, because we all have a computer in our hands right now called say, an I iPhone. Got, I got one on my wrist, right? My right, Apple Watch, wrist you know? nowadays. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be glad. Don't they got the glasses coming out too? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, they're working. They're working on some glasses. We'll we'll see. That might be a better. I think they're uh, leave it to Apple to like be like, yeah, that Google Glass thing was cool, but. It looked kind of funky, and we're going to make them. the The rumor is that they're going to be look like normal glasses, but operate sort of, you know, like a like a Google Glass kind of situation. I don't know if you got into yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff when That's it came out, nice but yeah. So, so that so they're going to make it pretty. <laughs> gonna right. be, it's going to be well designed. It's Apple, so right. Will. Um, but having that true north of like empowering people with technology has. You know, was is was really drove their success amongst obviously a lot of other factors. Um, you know, a keen focus and and um, you know he had sort of an innate um, ability to communicate. You know, yeah, than most leaders. You was telling, you was uh, saying just a few moments ago, as far as they found their purpose, something to the extent of along the way that came with time. You yeah. see what I'm saying? But what they were able to do over time is improve their products. And be able to articulate that purpose, just like you said. Yeah, you see absolutely. what I'm saying for sure. Whereas, if you were to ask anybody that has an iPhone, iMac, or whatever, you ask them what's the purpose of Apple. I feel like you're gonna get different answers, but they're all gonna come from the same place. Yeah, it comes from knowing, liking, and trusting. For sure, you There's, taught me that. Yeah, like the brand, like the whole brand strategy thing, as far as how do you get to that purpose? Yeah, our class, your class, is a is a. Like, bro, that tool right there is going to help you get to that place. Yeah, that's that. We help a lot of people do that, it's right? Priceless. So, like, we speak on have purpose, have purpose. For some people, it's like they need that how to. Yeah, it's hard because it, it's not something our, the human mind works from. We like things that are clear and defined. So, we always want to, we always want to talk about the things that are clearest to us. That's easiest. It, when you get into beliefs and, and more nebulous kind of things, it can be hard to articulate it. So I've developed this workshop that DeAndre was talking about that that all of our Heroesmith Revolution members go through um, that helps them get some clarity around that. And um, and it, it you know it's it's a great tool. Uh, and uh, and it's it's the reason it's so important to be articulate is that uh, you know it's easy for us to be blinded by our own knowledge of our business you know so we have to you know i think largely a lot of branding is about really um getting out of your own head you know getting out of your own uh you know Mm -hmm. sort of uh i don't want to say jaded but in overly informed about your own thing um perspective and and really cutting to the point that matters the most and the the most efficient time and whereas that used to be frankly um, sort of pre-internet era that used to be just like, what is the problem you solve? You know, who do you, yeah. who's it, who, whose problem are you solving? What is that problem? And how are you doing that differently if someone else is Pretty solving much. that problem at all? Yeah. Well, now that's not enough, right? Like it can be in certain very rare, innovative, you know, circumstances, but we have to think of companies as as almost movements like we're, we're trying to yeah. achieve something you know uh hero smith wants to empower entrepreneurs with the knowledge and know-how to create high growth 
scalable brands. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. And a lot, but everything that we do still drives toward that central, that central purpose. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so it's very important to, to focus on that. Obviously, um, there, you know, there's some great books out there that can get you started. Simon Sinek, start with why. Um, and, uh, and I mentioned, you know, the Steve Jobs, uh, biography from Walter Isaacson. Uh, you know, if you, if I think that's a good read, it doesn't, obviously it's not instructional in any way, but, um, you get the sense that the, what kind of person was and what a, what a mission driven person Steve Jobs was. And, you know, it's funny to think that profitable companies, you know, profit driven companies, you know, non basically the opposite of nonprofits I'm referring to are kind of coming, you know, non the nonprofit folks have been this way all along. You know, they've they've always been mission driven. Yes. You know? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. You, you work for I'm a nonprofit. Saying? Right, well. exactly. Yeah. And I I don't even like to say I work for them. You see what I'm saying? Because sure. it's not even a job to me. Um, but I look at these people that I'm around because I'm around nothing but women um, all day, every day for the majority of everything. So um, it's, it's, it's different being in that environment and seeing people that deal with uh, real life crises and trauma on a day to day. Yeah. Go ahead and give them a shout out if you want, man. Don't hold back. Nah, just speaking in general. Just okay. Everybody that's in the building. I only want to leave no names out. Right on. Um, it's just like, yo, like how do they get up every single day? and do this to the next person and to them, it's like, nah, it's like, that's their purpose. Right. That yep. If they wanted to make a profit, trust me, they wouldn't be a nonprofit. These people are standing on something different. Mm-hmm. They really are. That's right. all purpose. Yeah. And that's, it's amazing what, you know, the nonprofits, he uh, just here in Denver have accomplished that. Yes. Uh, and how helpful they've been. And then, you know, uh, not to dive too deep into politics in this episode, we've certainly done that in the past, but, um, I think nonprofits are going to be a central part of the next phase of dealing with um, the treatment of black people in America. You know, that's going to be right. in reforming the police. Yeah, I think that's going to be, they're going to be a play a central role. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a lot of these nonprofits exist because there's huge gaps in, in what the government, you know, can and has chosen to fund and do. Yeah. Know? And so, um, so I think uh, definitely in terms of police reform, they're going to play a central role. But yeah. but yeah, so be sure to check out the study. Again, it's uh, Zeno Strength of Purpose Research Study from the Zeno Group. And uh, it's really fascinating. Take some time. I, I highly recommend downloading it, looking it over. And um, obviously, uh, not to plug Ola, but, but we do have a, a, a workshop um, three secrets to create a magnetic brand. That's super affordable. Two ninety nine as a one off service, um, and uh, it's a three hour workshop where we deep dive. One of those three elements is um, purpose driven, and so we deep dive and help our business leaders and entrepreneurs articulate what that is. Um, you know, and uncover sometimes what their purpose is because you'd be surprised, like. You know, a lot of people think of it as like, oh, you know, um, or a lot of founders will have it in mind, but when you try to get them to articulate it, it becomes very difficult. And uh, so we have exercises and things that we can do to help people get there. Yes, 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, DeAndre, what's going on in the news, man? I'm going to start with um, on a national level this time around. Um, 24-hour fitness files for bankruptcy. Whoa. After filing for bankruptcy amid the economic fallout of the coronavirus, 24-hour fitness will reportedly close over 100 locations, according to CNN. Wow. As the company gears up and prepares to fully restructure their model, 24-hour fitness will reopen the remaining 300 locations by the end of June. CEO Tony says, if it were not for the COVID-19 and its devastating effects, we would not be filing for Chapter 11. Adding, we expect to have substantial financing with a path to restructuring our balance sheet and operations to ensure a resilient future. Wow. I mean, obviously, gyms. I mean, our neighbors here at Harrowsmith are is an anytime fitness. And, um, I mean, gosh, you could probably... Gyms and restaurants have to be the most devastated markets probably in, in this whole COVID thing. I mean, I'm sure there's someone else. Movie theaters too. You Movie theaters. Like? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. There's a few in there. As I'm a like, former right. film student that, that, that hurts me, but, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. And one of the hugest, I mean, I don't know what their situation was before all this went down, but damn, you said they're closing over a hundred stores, a hundred locations. Wow. To think that my goodness, they had, like over 400 locations. <laughs> That's probably in the United right. States alone. Too, right. right. So, right. So when I was on That's tour insane. back in the day on some rap shit. Yeah. Um, we was in places like, you know, Arizona, um, uh, California, just a lot of different spots, but sure. I can always rely on that as far as, okay, 24 hour fitness will be there. So got one around. Nice. Right. So yeah, you, that one's knowing, liking, and trusting. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? For, for you can sure. trust that 24-hour fitness is going to be open 24 hours. <laughs> right. It's in the I'm name. Yeah. It really is. Right. It goes now, that's crazy. Down. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's, that's. Uh, I mean, we're so, we've just seen the tip of the iceberg of what the effects on, on businesses are going to be in terms of the pandemic and where we're going. I, I think, um, you know, it sounds like a proactive move in their case. Um, you know, closing about a fourth of their, their locations and restructuring. I think long-term you'll still have 24 hour fitness. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like it's, it's pretty fascinating to think that, uh, even a brand that big, cause I'm so used to dealing with the smaller guys and, uh, you know, helping out the entrepreneurs and I know what the struggles they have. Uh, but yeah, it's the big boys too. Yeah. Most definitely Disney. See yeah. what I'm saying? Like nobody's exempt from this whole thing. That's right. what made it feel different, you know. Yeah. When uh they canceled the NBA season and everything fell into place right after that. I'm not even gonna yeah. lie to you. It's like everybody shut it, like started shutting down right yeah, after the that. NBA, all the major early sports adopters. Yeah. Right. And now just to kind of get into it, bro. Um, there you got certain franchises now that are trying to renegotiate terms. Mm-hmm. With their athletes, when the athletes are looking at them, like my job is to show up and play baseball, right? That's y'all's job to figure that out. Yeah, hey, me X amount to be here, so y'all need to figure out everything on your end. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's 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 so. I mean, it's just nobody's exempt. Chad, nobody's nobody's exempt. safe, and it, and it's <laughs> not. There are like just it's one of these situations where there's just not easy solutions. You know, it's not just like oh okay, we closed the NBA for two months and now we're back you know it's a, no it's like okay we're gonna get all the players and they're all gonna go to disney and they're gonna be quarantined together and you know uh, if the season's gonna start that you know it's just it's just there's just no easy solution so i think we gotta 
we got to all, you know, have, you know, let people have a little grace and let people, uh, you know, um, and organizations figure this out. And hopefully, you know, the situation with the baseball thing is pretty wild. Like it seems like it's pretty adversarial. I mean, who knows how much of that's in the media. Um, and then the NBA is getting that way too. Like players are like, well, do I want to go, you know, for like 80 days to play in the playoffs and be away from my family right. with a bunch of other people that could infect me with a deadly virus. Right. So like, to bring it back full circle for you, what this whole podcast is about is their purpose. What do you think the purpose is of these sports franchises? Oh man, what would be their what would be their purpose statement? Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to think of it as the. I mean, I think that they're. I don't know. Hopefully, they can articulate. These are the larger, like you know, like the are, NBA, are, right? Things nah, like that. Like you said, these are the big boys. You feel yeah. me? Everything from Disney, like everybody. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like you're we're really seeing. We're really seeing, um, I think, I feel like people's true colors. Yeah, and we, I, you can see that with the unemployment. It's all, it's all there. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like people thought they had a company that they felt like had strong purpose, and we're in this together and everything. Right. Until shit got real. Yeah, and everybody and gets split. Like, then you have forty over forty million Americans that file for unemployment. Yeah, right. What's the purpose? and it's interesting. I just read on, and I don't know if this is going to be in your news that it's yeah, it's the small businesses that are hiring people back. Yeah, not the huge corporations. They're trying to put a, uh, you know, they're trying to cover up that hole in the boat. Yeah, right. seriously. But I feel like they could be the ones that survive. Like anytime fitness, um, with the recent news that we just went over, um, gym goers are opting for cheaper alternatives like Planet Fitness and things right. like that, or even small boutique fitness spaces that offer classes and in-home fitness options yeah. as well. That's gonna oh, be the, the in-home business thing. Models. Oh, the in-home thing is huge. I mean, you know, when my sixty-something-year-old mom is hitting me up to, to you know, asking me how to hook up the Roku and watch yoga videos on YouTube. You know that <laughs> shit is going down. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I could barely teach her how to use, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, she didn't know how to copy and paste on her computer until like the year 2000, I swear to God. Right. She would literally just retype everything. <laughs> and I'm like, Ma, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to Control-C and his buddy... Control V, <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Oh my goodness!" Well, she types like a million miles an hour. At least she did back then, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't. Believe it or not, it probably wasn't that big of a deal for her. But man, I'm like, "How do you? How have you been using computers for <laughs> ten years and not know that?" But uh, but yeah, you're right. That's where things are going. And home, the Pelotons, the yeah. the online instructionals, and you know, as someone who helps people create those things, yes, um, sir. It's uh. You know, that's an exciting prospect on one, one, one regard, because I think a lot of experts and, and niche needs are going to be served more, you know, like, I mean, you know, uh, the planet fitnesses of the world is, you know, so they, those businesses depend on the fact that not that people are going to sign up in January and never and, and and a certain percentage of them are going to go to the gym for like two weeks. Right. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, Chad, it looks like January right now with these gyms just reopening up for yeah. real. People are in there. Oh yeah, they're so like, I'm like, all right, woo-hoo. we're gonna see how this goes. It feels like January, you know. Yeah, and you're like, all right, two weeks. I'll see exactly. You. I'll, be, I'll have the. I won't have to wait for the treadmill or yeah. wait for the, the, the. But at least 24 hour fitness is gonna survive, man. I want to move on uh, to our second part of the news as far as. Um, Businesses are closing up and moving on. Okay. Uh, and we're going to bring it back to the neighborhood. Currently ranked 
in the top 20 places to start a small business in the U.S., Denver, Colorado has prided itself on its progressive forward thinking, exactly, and entrepreneurial spirit for years. However, with many restaurants closed temporarily during the shutdown in recent months, Denver restaurant casualties from the pandemic are starting to mount. Mm. Meadowlark's Park Kitchen, Punchbowl Social in Stapleton, Martin's Steakhouse, 20th Street Cafe, and Tom's Diner are all among the most recent local eateries to announce forthcoming permanent closures as of June 15th. Damn. While many continue to offer delivery as well as takeout and others are reopening with limited capacity, unfortunately, it seems as though the list of dissolved nostalgic entities will only continue to grow as we navigate through this new reality. Yeah, those are some Denver staples there for sure. Staples. I mean, Tom's. I mean, come on now. Right. You know, that's like, I think that might be the first place I went out to eat in Denver ever. <laughs> yeah, as long as I don't touch Pete's, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Once again, like, I don't know. I think Pete's is different. This yeah. is provide a... Um, it's going to create more of a level playing field. This is how I honestly see it. This is okay. just me. I say that to say this, and this is just me. I feel like it's going to create more of a level playing field for the smaller businesses to kind of take advantage of those niches that other larger corporations and the details dotting the I's and crossing the T's that they're not paying attention to. Yeah, for sure. Everybody else wants to shift you to a robot to go speak with or visit our website or can we send you a link? There's no more personal interaction. Okay. I feel like the right. ones that are continue to maintain that at least that's my principles of yeah. as a human. Oh, I feel for like sure. a lot of your purpose your purpose comes from your principles. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, what do you believe in? That's so true. That's your brand. Yeah. That's what you believe in. You push that. Yep, like you said, don't absolutely. let anything deter from that. You said that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with Pete's, no like and trust. They've, they've stood on the same shit. Nothing over the top, too crazy or nothing like that. Right. We're going to be in this through a pandemic doing the same shit. <laughs> right, so yeah. when things about to open back up, we're back on the same type of time. Yeah, I I hope you're right. I hope that it, it uh, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if we can get more local, more small-owned, uh, restaurant tours and and really focus like you know we have choices it's easy to order from the big chains and all that stuff and uh and it's uh easier to you know maybe they have a better website but if you can as an individual if we can just make a little more effort uh around the idea of uh yeah do you know take the time to make the effort to get uh to order from that locally owned business uh in the end you're gonna be benefiting your community greatly and like we do that here like i you know i probably should be bringing in my lunch every day just to save money but you know we've got in this area and the um you know we're off of colfax and near monaco so we're like uh park hill um, yes sir yeah ph and uh and so we're in that area, and one of the part, one of the struggles of this area is, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of non-corporate restaurants around here. We've got the stupid mm. um, Jimmy John's and the Qdobas mm. around the corner, and uh, but so I've been, I've been actively, I've got a couple of local restaurants I support, and they support me with amazing food, uh, like, uh, and goodness gracious, please check out. Uh, Tessa Delicatessen on Colfax, um, brand new. They probably opened maybe six weeks before the pandemic hit, and uh, they certainly could use your support. We're talking uh, chef level, or like artisanal mm-hmm. level sandwiches, yeah. and I love sandwiches. Yeah. So 
Um, so, so I'm definitely down to support them. Uh, I can highly recommend their chicken salad, which is what I always try when I try a new uh, sandwich place because I feel yeah. like you you know you can tell a lot about a restaurant about it from their chicken salad sandwich. Yeah, so yeah, you know, sandwich place. Me that. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's I'm you know sometimes in a pinch I'll take some mayo and some chicken and stir it up in a thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, make yeah, me a chicken yeah, salad yeah, right, sandwich. Right, right, right. But and if a restaurant does, but if I'm going to a restaurant, I expect more. Right. You know, so, right. and, uh, so yeah, so check them out. And then even our, our, our guy, uh, believe it or not, Denver classic, Steve snapping dogs, snapping dogs down on Colfax and, uh, like maybe a block or two South of Colorado or excuse me, West of Colorado. Uh, another great local business owner, uh, who, uh, you know, is trying to adapt to these times. So, and Hank's barbecue, so I want you to support all the local. Yeah. Head over on East Colfax and hit them up and, and support those. Those are good people trying to do right things and get you, uh, you know, uh, next level food for uh, a decent price. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to go from, you know, uh, from losing to winning. All right. I like saying? it. Sounds good. People that are gaining traction out here. I want to speak on how retail sales and consumer spending have rebounded. As businesses across the country begin to slowly reopen, so have the wallets of U.S. shoppers. Retail spending in May boosted a record increase by 17.7%, totaling $485 billion in sales. Retailers, restaurants, and auto dealerships have all been at the forefront of attempting to restore consumer confidence in an economy that was shocked and virtually shut down by the now novel pandemic. Despite high unemployment and a wave of small business failures, government stimulus has eased, excuse me, government stimulus and eased restrictions have seemingly infused at least some demand for goods. We've had a solid start to May, says the chief executive of Walmart, the nation's largest retailer. We believe stimulus spending has been a big driver, which we don't anticipate staying at these levels. The big question moving forward is how long will reopening efforts be able to sustain over the long term in the coming months and even years? Right. Yeah. Again, tip of the iceberg stuff, right? Like, yeah. These numbers are great. You know, the interesting thing about that is, is that I, I was reading uh, on this same subject the other day, and it's actually, uh, you know, it's the, the, the people that aren't really spending a ton of money, ironically, in this time, are the, are the wealthy. Right. But that makes sense. Think about it. Yeah. Um, my man D.L. Uh, Hughley, I was watching an interview uh, with him a couple nights ago. He's talking about as soon as this um, whole pandemic hit, 70% of his income was taken away. These are entertainers yeah. that depend, that depend on live shows. Right. You see what I'm yeah. saying? On the yeah. regular, whether mm-hmm. their record is on the radio or not, I sure. still got a show that I'm getting paid 10, 20, 30. Right. Unless and you're Drake, you're clearing 100 every single night. Once you start losing that kind of paper, crazy. and you got 80,000 in bills every single month, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. <laughs> This is facts. Right, yeah, right? These are sure. real like budgets that certain yeah, celebrities yeah. have like between everything. Totally. Nah, and everything's shut down. I right. mean, basically, like, they're not producing any, yes. any new UFC. TV shows. I mean, there's going to be a drought. Right, UFC talking about they're gonna lose a hundred million dollars just in gate sales alone this year. Damn, that's crazy. Hundred million, and they're okay. still they're still having fights. They are. They're, they're on the, the Fight Island, right? Dana, Vince McMahon. That's yeah, it. they're crazy. Bob Aaron just got they're back crazy in dudes. There. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. The ones that are different, yeah, stood yeah. on what they believe in. Yeah, they got purpose. I uh, give them that. I right. give them that. Yeah, right. you know, willing to go to Fight Island. Right. 
Yeah. That's a businessman. Dana's a businessman. He's yeah, going to fight to get to where <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, hopefully hopefully everyone, you know, stays safe in that in that regard. But yeah, that's going to be interesting and and it's fascinating to me that uh you know, I think it's just like these are the short-term benefits. We everyone thinks in 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 the next moment, the next story, the next week or two. Um you know, you see all this resistance to providing more assistance to people uh, on lower income up in Washington. And it's like what they don't understand is they're they're biting the hands that feeds them. You know, if people don't have the money to survive, things are going to get real, yeah. real quick. So yeah. and uh, and get real scary. And so. um So, yeah. So it's like, wow, we're starting to see these new numbers from that stimulus. It's like well okay so what's the hold up on on providing more stimulus in that second round you know i'm not i'm not for like you know going full universal basic income necessarily you know yet um but but in times like this like you know politicians love to be like hey yeah we we did this thing we passed this thing and you know that's it. We're good. Right. That's all you get. And uh, right. what they don't realize is that small businesses are the backbone of this economy. And if we can't get them back up and running and if we can't get consumer confidence up right. uh, and get people out there spending the money. Yes. You know, the, 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 not their survival money, but that little bit extra they might have every month yeah. to, to do something fun, to take the kids out, to, right. to go to the dinner yes, or whatever. Sir. Um, you know, that, those things, that's going to have a multi-year effect, you know, if right. we, don't, we don't support the people these times. Consumer spending accounts for more than two thirds of the U.S. economy with retail sales accounting for about a quarter of all consumer spending. Wow. So I own a retail business. This is the things I need to pay attention to. You see what yeah, I'm for saying? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We are a consumer driven economy. There's, you know, back in, it wasn't always that way. You know, at one point in our history, we were manufacturer driven, you know? Right. Um, but hmm. I think that the fragility of a consumer, what we're finding out is how fragile a consumer driven gotcha. economy can be. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, barring some, you know, uh, crazy, you know, return of the virus uh, or second wave or something like that, I think we'll make it out of this. But I think America has to take a long look at itself and 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 start thinking about you know, can we survive as a consumer? Just literally like the idea of like all, all when two thirds of your economy rests on the ability to consume things, right. You know, um, you know, that's, that, that can be a little scary. That, that sounds, it's, it's easy to tip that scale, right? Like, or tip that, uh, uh, you know, that for that to become a problem as soon as, you know, a pandemic hits or, you know, um, the housing market collapse and, you know, those kind of things. You think we could survive another wave? I mean, uh, survive, define survive. <laughs> we've like, already, uh, we, we've we talk on the purge. I mean, right. technically if you, if there's a purge, we, some are surviving, but that doesn't mean like normal, like normal life. Right. We already took the uppercut, I feel like. Yeah, we, I know, right? We're a right-hand cross of being out here. Right? <laughs> yeah. For real. I'm shit getting real crazy. Yeah, because we never really even got a chance to even get back up on our feet for that 10 count. 
Yeah, right. Seriously, yeah. we're still reeling. We're still so you wobbling. Hit us with another one. We're still wobbling, trying not to hold too hard on yes. the ropes. If they cut off spending, which I believe they anticipate, I anticipate I read somewhere uh, that they anticipate pretty much discontinuing at least unemployment benefits by the end of July. A yeah. lot of people are going to be in a fucked up position unless yeah. they pass something else. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then you're going to add another wave on top of that. Mm-hmm. That's a wrap. Yeah, I'm really super worried about the second wave. I mean, you not? Are you? Are I am. Gosh. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, worried. Yeah, yeah. So worried. People are still in fear right now. Yeah, and I think that, like, I think you know, Americans, I, I love us, but goodness gracious, we are <laughs> such goldfish <laughs> when it comes to our attention spans. Like, we can, uh, you know, we can only handle so much. Okay, like we can only handle a certain amount of stories about how many people are dying. And all this that's going on before a a certain element just says, okay, I can't watch this anymore. And that's, and and they turn it off and they're like, all right, I'll check back in. But then there's, then you have this other sort of more rebellious side to America. That's like, oh, this was all bullshit from the beginning. Like they made this up. It's like, no, hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand people are dead. That's not made up. Um, and it could be a lot worse. You know, yep, it could, it could, could come back. I am hopeful that like still less than one percent. Yeah, I know, but man, that's a lot when you really think uh, about it. I think one is too many. Don't get it. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, don't get it twisted. I don't want to sure. take nothing away from that. You saying one percent of the population? You mean right? I'm talking about um, overall as far as the the, um, the bigger picture. You see what I'm saying? For sure. In comparison to that, as far as diagnosed yeah. cases. Yeah, people like to to like you know say, well, the flu killed this many people. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know why? I mean, the flu sucks. Yeah, the flu's terrible. Like no one's arguing that the flu. I love how people use the flu as like, oh, it's well, this isn't as bad as that. Yeah, the flu's fucking terrible. Yeah. It kills millions of people every right. year nope. all over the world. You know, and so it's like that's the reason we just call it the flu. Right. <laughs> you know, it would be the special flu of the year every time if it was like a big deal but no it's so fucking bad yeah. that it's just the flu like the plague was just the plague right you right. know what i'm saying right. like right. Right. you know so yes. it's like yes. yeah i mean right yes maybe covid i i don't i can't remember the the numbers off the top of my head but so maybe covid didn't kill as many people as as the flu did over mm-hmm. the last, you know, couple of years or whatever. Maybe yeah. it's even in one year. Right. Maybe it kills more. I don't know. I don't think so at this point. But, um, but yeah, just because we hear the word flu all the time and we get a flu shot and we're prepared for that, uh, doesn't mean that that thing, just because we've normalized it, doesn't mean it's right. not absolutely terrible. AIDS is just AIDS. B. And Yeah, right. And it's like, well, well yeah, if we had uh, a thing just like HIV that led to something similar to AIDS, but it had a different name and it was new. Hey, we'd freak out about that too. Cause now we got two things. Right. <laughs> we've got HIV AIDS and we've got, you know, X, Y, Z, ABC AIDS, you know, or whatever right. it would be yeah. just like we have the flu and we have the COVID-19. It's yeah. like, so yeah. So it's, it's, it's about to get real interesting. I mean, you know, my, my mom is, uh, lives down in Florida and I just, I am in fear for her because she's a nurse and she, um, you know, she, she has to be out there, uh, working with folks and, uh, and could potentially get exposed. And, you know, they've got, 
she says it's scary. Like you drive down the street and you see a bar and it's packed full of people all standing right next to each other, yelling, drunk, you know, no mask, the whole nine. It's like, you know, I mean, it's just sad that because of our lack of attention span at a certain level, frankly, right. People are going to die, you know, and because of our rebellious nature, which I love the fact that America has a rebellious streak. I think that's a good thing about us. You know, we wouldn't be a country if we didn't rebel a little bit. <laughs> you yeah, know, about to see I feel like we're about to see it going a whole different direction as far as that rebellion. Oh yeah. That's yeah. And, and that's the other thing too. It's like, um, I get it. You need to, re- you feel like you need to rebel, but don't put me in danger. Cause you don't feel like wearing a mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, that comes down to respect. Yeah. That's my principle. That's my purpose. Right. To wrap it all up, be for real. Hell yeah. You move, yeah. <laughs> How'd we do that? Awesome, man. Is that all you got today? You got another one in the in the in the gullet. That's all I had today. All right, man. it sounds yeah. good. Well, thanks for joining me. It was a great uh uh great to speak with you again and do this again. I am digging it. And uh thank you for joining us on Life in the Ball. I'm Chad Coleman, founder of Hero Smith. Here with my extraordinary producer and co-host, DeAndre Dow. Tell them what you're all about, DeAndre. NoCap.World. You already know this is the head honcho, the big cheese, brain ambassador. Dot World coming soon. Nice. Awesome. I want to thank Pine Tree Janitorial Service for our theme music. Uh, it's called All My Complaints. Very apropos for us. Check them out at PineTreeJS.com or, you know, Spotify. Uh, hit, the, hit the repeat. Let it play all night while you're sleeping. Of a support these artists, you know. All right, we'll see you next time. This has been live from the vault. Catch you soon. No justice, no peace.